Hello, everybody. This is Fiorella Nira, your host for the Planner and Training Podcast. I am here with Nora Shields. Nora, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself? I am good. It is a sunny Monday, so it is definitely a positive to all this craziness. For sure. <laughs> yes. So, Nora, today we're going to be talking about growing our local market. Um, as I told you in our pre-interview interview, um, I love where I work. I love this little town that I work for. And we were going to be talking about growing our market before the whole coronavirus thing. I know everybody's kind of sick of hearing about this, but that is the reality that we're in right now. And I think it still applies because eventually we're going to come out of this and eventually I'm going to want to still grow my local market. So that is our topic. But before we jump into talking all the details, tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So um, I co-own a company called Rockkeeper Coin. It's an online platform for wedding and event professionals for um, kind of help streamlining their booking process. So we do digital contracts, digital invoices. We have quite a few really great features that just make it really easy for both couples and wedding professionals. Um, we, myself and my business parts, business partner started out as planners. And so there are a lot of kind of planner focused features. So for example, if you're a client, you're working with a planner, you can give that planner permissions to act on your behalf. So um, it's even less work for the couple and it's easier for the planner because he or she can just get things done. Um, so that's what I'm currently doing. Like I said, I started out as a planner. I still own a company called Bridal Bliss. We're based in the Pacific Northwest and we have three separate offices. So we're in Portland, Seattle, and Bend, which is in Central Oregon. Um, we have a team of about 20 different planners. Um, so we're definitely keeping busy there, just like all the other planners out there, kind of reshuffling and rescheduling and trying to keep our clients calm right now. Yeah, I can only imagine, you know, I, I don't have that many planners, but <laughs> I can't imagine having a team of 20. One, good for you. How exciting to have such a large company like that. Um, but also tell me a little bit how you're dealing with your team. Sure. So thankfully, um, this whole coronavirus deal started in before the busy season. So in the Pacific Northwest, we start getting really busy towards the end of May through about October just because of weather out here. Um, so for those weddings that we did have, most through May have rescheduled um, later this year for the most part. We did have a couple that pushed all the way back to 2021. Um, but everyone else through about August, we have a backup plan in place for. So if they do have to switch or if they're, we're still in lockdown or this thing isn't gone, um, we have a plan for them. So everyone's kind of just sitting and waiting to see what happens. And then if the time comes, we can pull the trigger on it. That is so good. Do you still plan weddings yourself? Are you taking on clients yourself? Now, I just do a couple that I really want to do just because I love it so much, um, <laughs> but my team manages a majority of them. Do you mind if I ask you a little bit about your team? No, not at all. Okay. So what's do you offer the standard services or do you offer only full planning? 
We do everything. So we can do hourly consultations. We can do day of, partial, or full. I would say probably half of our events are like start to finish. We help with every single detail of the weekend. And then the other half are a mixture between kind of a partial package and then more of like an entry day of package where the couple does majority of the planning and then their planner meets with them a couple times throughout, creates a timeline, um, helps them a bit throughout the process, and then is on site to execute the event. Do you have somebody that does the sales for you or do you do sales? Okay. So we have a sales team, which is a group of five of the planners. And um, the way it works is if a couple is interested in our service, they will meet with one of those planners, whether it's um, online, in person, um, over the phone. And then that planner, just we just have a lot of questions. We want to learn about the couple and their personalities and what makes them tick and about their event, just as much as we can learn about them. And then if they decide to move forward with us, we will assign them to a planner that will work with them the entire process. So it might be one of those people that um, is meeting with them, or it could be a different planner. And it's mostly, honestly, based on personality. But after a certain point, you know, there's only so much availability in a season. So then it kind of comes down to who's available, um, if that type of wedding really vibes with them, or we just try to make as much of a good connection as we can, because yeah. as you know, there's a lot of interaction. So we want to make it a good experience, not only for the couple, but also for our planners. And Nora, what, how long have you been planning weddings? Um, 19 years now, or 18 Oh years, my sorry. gosh, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Good for you. Congratulations. Thanks. How did you, I bet... I bet. So you went through to 2008. Oh, yes. Yeah. And that's like the closest thing I can relate this right. to, even though it's so different. It is but, different. Happened uh, a lot faster. Right. For sure. <clears throat> so how did you get through um, not being the face of the company, not being the person that services your clients? That is a good question. It was a bit of a process because for a while it was just me and all the reviews were about Nora and, you know, how great my experience was with Nora and she did this and she did that. And so when I started bringing planners on, um, people kept asking for me and that's not what I wanted. So it, it took a little bit and we asked, you know, clients to post reviews for us and to use the planner's name if they could. Um, we started blogging and each planner would blog um, her own wedding. So her name would be on there. Um, we also featured our planners on social media when that became available. That wasn't mm-hmm. around when I first started. <laughs> um, I'm dating myself. Um, but so, you know, I've basically always encouraged giving planners credit. It's definitely not me that's making all this magic happen. So they should absolutely um, take credit for it. Um, When we're in magazines, or if we have an editorial, it's always that planner's name that's noted. So um, I tried really hard. And it honestly took a couple years for it to happen where um, inquiring couples started asking for different planners, or they just heard that Bridal Blitz has a really good team. So they would call us. So it definitely was a process. But at this point, it's actually pretty rare that someone comes in asking for a specific planner. 
um, unless it was like a sibling that used sure. somebody that they liked or they had a connection with. But otherwise, they just kind of trust that our team is the best and we'll take care of them. And that that's just really great. Great to hear. I, I think so many people are afraid to not be the face of their business, but then you realize that people just want their wedding to go good. Totally. And <laughs> You know, it's after once it's you've a, been doing this for a, a while. It's a punch to the ego, but it's not about you. It's about them, guys. <laughs> no, I totally agree. And once you've been doing this a while, it gets really old to work every weekend. So mm-hmm. if another planner is taking over a wedding and you're spending time with your family, like that is a best case scenario. Yeah. Tell me, how did you make the switch to your, you didn't make the switch, but how did you add on your second business? So that came about because Elizabeth, who's my business partner and was also a planner at Bridal Bliss, we were out getting drinks and kind of complaining to each other about how we felt like we were constantly babysitting our clients and reminding them to send a check and reminding them to send in their contracts. And it was like, you know, just get these things done. But there was a disconnect because vendors were sending like PDFs or Word docs and expecting them to print it, sign it, scan it, send it back. And as you know, couples today getting married are expecting like an immediate response. So um, there was just a disconnect between clients and vendors. And so we set out to just find software on the market to use. Well, like we did not intend to create a software company. Um, I still kind of laugh <laughs> at it a little bit, but um, we tried everything and we hated it. There was not even one that we liked a little bit. There were problems with everything and either mm-hmm. our team didn't like it, our clients didn't like it. Um, so we decided to set out to see if we could have something made just internally for us to use for Bridal Bliss to do business with. Um, and it, we learned what is involved in that and how much it costs and um, decided that probably wasn't a good idea either. And the more we talked to different planners and talked to different wedding professionals, we found that there really was a need for this. So we did a ton of research. We hired a full stack development team, and it was about a year and a half in the making before it launched last August. Um, And now we're just onboarding new vendors daily that are using it and loving it. Um, And I think something that a lot of the wedding professionals really appreciated about it is it's easy there it's not as involved as some of these other platforms with a lot of you know useless features it's mm-hmm. it's doing those things that you really need to onboard a client and it really makes you look good as a wedding professional because your client that you're about to book um, sees how professional you are how um, kind of up to date you are and the interface is really attractive so um, that was another problem with some of the platforms is they're just kind of really ugly and that's one of the first things that your clients from you. So mm-hmm. it's not a good start. So long story short, that's how Rock Paper Coin came to be. I, I really like the name. Um, Thank you. Because I'm a, I, we do events. We're not just a wedding planner. So to me, yeah, you know, sometimes, oh, I shouldn't say this out loud, but we didn't do like <laughs> aisle planner for that uh-huh. reason, because yeah. we have corporate clients who Right. In the past, we have seen the word wedding somewhere and they're just completely turned off. So yes. um, we're very deliberate about that as well. So you yeah. won't see wedding anywhere. You'll see event I on there. That. What is your favorite feature that Rock Paper, Paper Coin does? 
Oh my gosh. My favorite feature is the ability to give planner permissions. So I have a client, they can say, Nora is allowed to sign contracts or make payments on my behalf. As a client, I already have my different payment methods onboarded to the account. So the planner just gets access to that and can use those to pay my invoices and sign contracts. What? Um, so it's, so much easier. It's so much faster and clients love it because they're like, this is great. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. Um, and legally we've already, we've had everything checked by several attorneys. It's all sound. The planner is not on the hook for anything. Um, it's, you're just signing on behalf of your client, not, not as your client. Oh, wow. That, yeah. I mean, that's huge. Even on corporate totally. my, with my corporate accounts. That's one of the things like I don't sign on behalf of them because of that reason. But if they're giving you the permission without having you be on the hook, that is huge. Oh, my goodness. We're going to have this is not a promotion, by the way, guys. This is just (laughs) Megan Ely and her magic, magical connections. (laughs) We Um, love Megan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Wow. That's great. I'm going to reach out to you and maybe do a whole thing. For everybody listening and how we can make their lives easier this way, especially yeah. for those who plan weddings from beginning to end. Definitely. Or we would from beginning love to end. that. Yeah. And if there is anyone that's interested in trying it, I can give you a promotional code. It's WED, W-E-D 20, and you can utilize the application for an entire year for free. Holy crap. Yeah. Okay. So this is a good time to start something new, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. So... I, we've, we've chatted. I feel like I've gotten to know a lot of what you do and all of your accomplishments, but we're talking about growing our market. The idea came to mind because, um, I am one of the planners who is here in the Wisconsin Dells with central Wisconsin area. And I just love where I work. I, I love my town. Um, and I reached out to Megan. Shout out to Megan. I feel like we're all going to have to take a shot every time I say shout out to Megan. Um, oh, gosh. And one of the things is that I know my community, my market could be so much more than what we're doing right now. We could, you know, we could grow so much and it's grown already so much in the little time that I've been in business. But we're going to be talking about how we can make it even bigger, right? Not just, not me or my market, but everybody's market, everybody listening. And with what is currently happening right now, the inevitable is that we are all going to have some sort of, um, we're all going to be affected some way because of the coronavirus and all the bans. So we're all going to have to get together and grow our markets together. And I thought that even though we, at the time that this airs, we may not be readily, um, be that time where we're all allowed to party again, um, we will have this in our back pocket. So we, as soon as we know when everything's going to be ending, we can gear up and start making moves. Um, yeah. And I don't know if maybe that's me, uh, you know, as planners, we always have to find the solution. Right. And I think when this all came down probably about three or four weeks ago where I'm at right now, where today when we're recording, when it goes live, it'll be probably six weeks. Um, uh, the first thing I said, how can I fix this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't. 
Oh, I wish we could. Right, which is the hardest thing a planner can do. You can't plan for it. You can't plan. There's nothing we can plan for. But there is, we can plan for when this is all over, whether it's soon or later, sooner or later, it's going to be all over. And it'll be time for recovery mode. So this is why I want to talk about growing our market. Um, it had an, an original thought and now it has morphed into something else. But I think it's still going to be useful for people to have in their pocket to grow their business, grow their market. Totally. And honestly, I don't think this is something that we have to wait on. I think that there's so much that can be done now mm-hmm. just through um, you know, being in the digital era. Um, one thing I will say that has been amazing through this whole crazy time is just the amount of support people are giving each other and not just friends and family, but like event professionals to each other, really helping each other out, supporting each other. And um, I think it's such a great shift that's happened in our industry. When I first started so many years ago, you didn't talk to your competitors. I remember when I first started and I reached out and I wanted to be friendly and nobody would give me the time mm-hmm. of day. And yeah. this new shift over to community over um, competition is so welcome in my book. And I think it's so awesome to see people helping other each other out. There's enough business to go around. So there's no need to, you know, be a shark in your in your certain category. And um, I think helping each other um, not only makes the industry stronger, but it also helps your business. Um, At Bridal Bliss, when we're booked for a certain date, we'll send those inquiries to our planner friends that we know is going to take care of them. So, you know, it makes sense to be friendly with other people in your same category and other people in the industry um, as a whole. And um, you, by now, you've probably done a couple Zoom conferences with friends and family. Well, that doesn't have to be just your personal friends and family. We recently did one with um, kind of our core um, vendor team at Bridal Bliss or just those those vendors that we do a lot of business with and everyone is friends. And it was really just, you know, there was no agenda. It was just let's all get together and we all have our cocktail and let's kind of chat and see how everyone's doing. And if anyone needs help, like we're all here for each other. Um, and I think that's something that will carry out through when this is all over and just make those relationships stronger. I agree. I completely agree. How can, how can professionals play a more influential, influential role in their market? Um, I think having a voice in kind of the local event community is really important, whether it's on kind of those local Facebook groups or chat boards or whatever, when when people have questions, whether they're newbies or old friends of yours, kind of lending a hand and giving support um, is, is a great way to play influence. I think cheering each other on, giving shout outs to wedding pros that have gone above and beyond and you have respect for that um, kind of helps. So I think building others really also builds yourself up. Um, also just kind of like sharing knowledge and experience, whether it's in those same groups or like I do a TV segment every couple weeks with just kind of different wedding topics. So um, you know, it's just kind of another, another way to show you're a, an industry expert um, it's actually pretty easy to get on those different shows. 
um, just a little tip for anybody that's interested in a little more media. If you're organized and you hand everything to them on a silver platter, you say, I want to do a topic about, you know, whatever it might be. Here are my talking points. Here are a bunch of pictures I'm going to use. Um, do you have a time slot that I could come on? And usually those producers have to do so much legwork to get different people on their show that something like this is so welcomed and they're like, okay, great. And then you do a good job and they'll have you back. So um, that's a really easy way to be known as, as a voice in your local industry, um, not only with wedding professionals, but also all of those people that are watching. I completely agree. That's actually how, when I first started my business, I just reached out to the news station. Um, I think it was back in 2014 and they liked it so much. They just had me back all the time. I love um, that. I haven't been there in a couple of years just because uh, the, the news anchor had retired and ah. business just grew so much. I couldn't go to the news station every holiday anymore. Um, but maybe that's uh, something you should, you should do. You Hello, should, Fiorella. What are you doing? You should pitch a coronavirus story and how it's affecting right? wedding. <laughs> I... I'm grabbing my, my sticky note. For some reason, something that f the first thing I did when this whole thing happened is I went to buy sticky notes. Why? I have no idea. Oh, Probably okay. because I'm not going to be doing much, even though I'm still working really hard, that oh. all these ideas come to mind. And so when ideas come to mind, I have to write them down. But this was your idea. So thank you, Nora. I'm going <laughs> to reach out again. Okay, so... There, there's something here when you, when you mention the difference between or the balance between networking and real business work. What, what do you mean by that? So there's so many different networking opportunities. Um, my team and I were just joking the other day that we've gotten so many fun invites that it's hard to choose between them, whether it's a hotel having some sort of you know, event or a vendor that's celebrating 10 years in business or, you know, a, a event space that has a new, you know, feature that they want to show off. I feel like all of these different places have events and networking events where it's a great opportunity to meet new people and connect with the ones you know, but there's only so many of those you can do, especially for those of us with families where evenings are a little more difficult to get away or you work so much that you might want to just not spend your evening doing things with industry friends, but actually being with your family. So there's a real balance when um, kind of choosing how many of those to attend. And I think that's different for each person. What I personally like to do, because when I go to those events, I feel like I have such limited time actually talking to people and it's, it's so distracted and you're excited to see one person. And so you're kind of jumping from conversation to conversation that you're not really having an in-depth conversation with anyone. So I actually prefer to set up one-on-one -on -one meetings, whether it's um, with a, a, you know, a caterer that you've worked with forever that you're just friendly and you're getting together for drinks. Or, you know, if there's been an issue with a photographer or something, it's always better to talk in person rather than, you know, send out a nasty email or something. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so I really prefer the one-on-one -on -one connections um, some different things I've done is, you know, taken a vendor out for a pedicure or done community service together, or there are a million different ways to connect with a person. And it could just be over lunch or coffee or something. 
Um, but I just feel like you create a, a deeper bond with somebody that way. And there's a little more trust rather than kind of seeing them at 10 different networking events. So um, I think both are really important. And I think it's up to each person to decide um, kind of what they have time for and what's meaningful for them. And Nora, do you use the same one-on-one practice when it comes to creating opportunities for a collaboration? Yeah, um, we, I'm sure most wedding planners would agree. We get so many emails from new wedding professionals, whether they've just started or they're, they are moving from a different area. And, you know, I always respond to every single one. I'm never going to ignore everyone. But um, we do a thing called vendor meet and greets every couple months where we set up a whole day for our planners to come in or as many as who can. And we just do 30 minute back to back meetings with each new vendor. So You know, everyone gets a chance to tell us about themselves, show us some of their work. It's always fun when you get like a chocolatier or an ice cream person or something and they bring samples. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's just a great way to get to know uh, like several planners at once and for us to get to know a lot of new vendors at the same time. Um, Because, you know, sure, we have our preferred vendors that we trust and we use all the time, but that doesn't mean that a new person isn't going to do a great job as well. So we never want to limit our vendor list or anything like that. So we want to meet as many people as possible, but there are only so many hours in the day. So that's one way that we try to combat that. Okay, Nora, for another win with a vendor meet and greet. <laughs> that is It has saved beautiful. so much time, I can't tell you, because sometimes you'll meet these vendors um, and they'll be like, can I take you out for coffee and pick your brain? And then you like, they're a photographer that's using their iPhone or, you know, it's like someone that yeah. is not necessarily qualified. Now you've lost an hour and a half of your day because, you know, I, once you get talking to someone, it's not like you're going to get up and leave. So, um, so yeah. that has been, it saved a ton of time. And honestly, I've gotten to meet a lot of new wedding professionals that I may not have without that. That is such a great idea. Oh my goodness. Also, because... <laughs> It's with a purpose, right? It's not you going to a networking event where you're going to see the people who you've worked with in the past and you're going to talk maybe strategy. But if you get caught with a new vendor who is, you know, one of those, what are they called? Um, Business card sharks where they just come up to you, give you a card, turn around, go to the next person, give the card. Um, So it's very strategic. Yeah. And another thing we do for those is we'll Instagram it and we'll tag those vendors so they get a little plug as well. So it's worth their while, um, not only meeting us, but, you know, they can share, just kind of get a little social media coverage as well. So we're really, it's really important to us to like um, build up all of those different vendors um, because it does, even though um, it's helping them, but it does come back to you as well. So um, we want to build the community as a whole rather than. Um, just kind of focus on one specific group. Okay, that's a great idea. One of the things um, that is also on your topics list is gaps. And as somebody who is who's here locally, I see a lot of gaps in my market where we could be doing better, not only in marketing, but other aspects that I'm, I don't want to mention yet. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Tell me, how does how does one identify the gaps in the market? And then how, how do we create solutions for those? 
I mean, if coronavirus hasn't brought that out in the open, <laughs> I don't know what it has. Just yeah. seeing all of the caterers specifically right now mm-hmm. that are doing deliveries and all of these different things that they didn't necessarily do before, they are absolutely identifying a gap and filling it to create business for themselves at a time when a lot of event professionals are struggling. So um, I think you know, a lot of pros are going to have to reinvent themselves a little bit or possibly provide some other offerings in, in addition to what they're already doing to fill those. Uh, for example, at Bridal Bliss, we also have invitation options available for our clients. We found that we were sending so much business out to um, some of these manufacturers where we could have just done them ourselves. So um, we still work with designers and custom stationers locally, but if it's just kind of a basic invitation, why mm-hmm. send that to like this huge manufacturer if we could just yeah. do it through us? So that's one way that we've added some revenue. We also have some um, rentals available. So instead of ordering new table numbers every time from Etsy where the client's not going to do anything with them, we um, have some stock of different options in the back that we just rent out to our clients. So it's not like a ton of money, but it's enough to make it worth it. And it's easier for our clients. So it's an added bonus for them as well. Yeah. What about the gaps that you see within the community itself? Oh, gosh, I think that's different for every market. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's new wedding professionals coming out all the time. Um, So it's kind of just kind of keeping up with that and seeing what's out there. Um, I can't really think of many gaps locally. Um, it kind of comes and goes. There's been in the Pacific Northwest, at least there's kind of been even before coronavirus, a big shakeup with people moving and some shutting down and, and different things like that. So it's interesting to see how uh, new companies have kind of swooped in to, to cover that or um, people have kind of shifted what they're doing. But um, I think it's a pretty robust industry. Okay, that's great. Do you know how one, you know, like, sometimes we have these industries in different markets, right? Like the wedding industry in different markets, and we, we see one big company, like perhaps a resort that has four venues. And we actually have one of those in Wisconsin, there's a resort that has four venues that I believe it's about three hours from me and they carry their wedding market. Whatever they do carries the, their wedding market. Do you know how like one single company's branding has can have so much impact on the growth of the overall market? And is that yeah. possible? Can people mimic that? So, Branding is interesting. Some people, when they think of branding, they think of a logo. And that's not what I see it as. I see it as basically like another say, another way of saying the reputation of the company. Um, you know, if you think of some of these larger companies, like say Mindy Weiss, I cannot even think of what her logo looks like, but I can tell you what her brand is about and how she's a luxury planner and she's an influencer And, um, you know, she's really into the details of each event. So that is more important to me than, you know, what your marketing or what your logo looks like. Obviously, that's very important. But um, I I encourage people when they think of branding to really think of kind of the overall vibe of your company that you want to put out and what you want 
all of these potential couples to think of you when they see your website or hear mm-hmm. about you. Um, so a lot of that I think is, is reputation and how you get that. So when couples are talking to different, uh, vendors out there. So if a, a couple's talking to a photographer and they're, they're saying, do you know any good wedding planners? They'll say, Oh, bridal bliss is the best. Their planners are also great. One time they totally, you know, fixed a situation doing this or something like that. So it's, um, it's a lot of it is through that reputation and or sorry, through that um, relationship that you've formed with the different wedding professionals where they are um, also building you up in return. And that's elevating your brand. So that's one way. I also think being a thought leader and thinking outside the box is going to do that. Nobody wants a cookie cutter wedding. That is, you know, nobody wants that. When you mm-hmm. ask a new couple what their goal is, they are going to say, they want it to be fun and they want it to be authentic. Those are like the two hot words that we hear every <laughs> single time. Every single so, time. So, um, you know, authenticity is really important, but sometimes people consider something new of being authentic to them. So they want to one up their friends is what it comes down to. They want their friends to remember that they had the best wedding ever and they did all these crazy things. And it was so unique. And, um, you know, the, the wedding planner or the designer is who comes up with that. So, um, you know, being a thought leader, being creative, stepping outside the box, um, sometimes saying yes to things that you don't know if you can actually do it is a way to push yourself a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How can one find ways to grow beyond their local market? So um, you can expand into another market if that's an option for you. Um, We expanded from Portland to Seattle probably about five or six years ago, which is definitely a process and takes a lot of time and manpower, but that's a way to be known in a market outside of yourself. But it's also something that can be done on social media, Um, just Instagram, connecting with different vendors, going to national conferences and getting to know people outside of your state or your city, I think is a great way to do that. Um, you know, also connecting with people on podcasts that you listen to or, or things like that is a great way to kind of step outside your comfort zone and get to know uh, new people that are in a different area that might be able to share some trends happening there or some ideas that they're doing there that you may not have been aware of. That is great. How did you how did you decide to grow your business, if you don't mind me asking? Sure. We um, kept getting inquiries from Seattle. And so we would end up sending a planner from Portland to Seattle. And um, it, it would kind of pull our Portland resources a little bit so we could take less business here. Um, and Elizabeth, who was also my rock, paper, coin counterpart, is from Seattle. And she really encouraged and pushed me to do it. And I probably honestly wouldn't have done it without her. But um, we started by hiring a planner up there. One of our Portland planners decided to move to Seattle. So we had kind of this great base of people. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they just started networking and reaching out to venues. And we already had a reputation in Portland and with a lot of the editors for the magazine. So we were able to kind of get some editorials and get our names pulled in there. So it kind of gave us a little clout, but 
I'm not going to say it was easy because it was um, <laughs> definitely a lot of effort to kind of uh, be welcomed into the Seattle community, which is a little bit surprising. But, yeah, um, you know, I think anywhere there's a new planner and it's like, oh, gosh, somebody planned their wedding and thought it was really fun. And now they want to do it and they're going to be gone in a couple months. So I think once people see that you are serious and you're professional and you're around and you do a good job and your weddings are beautiful, like they're going to take you a lot more seriously than that one, um, you know, random past bride. How far are each of your locations from each other? So uh, Seattle is about three and a half hours from Portland and uh, Central Oregon is anywhere from two and a half to three and a half hours from Portland. Do you have an Instagram for each location or one for all? No, we have one for all. And this was a big debate. I wasn't sure what to do. So um, we do way more business in Portland than we do at either of the other two locations. Mm -hmm. um, I'd say Seattle's probably half of Portland. And so we didn't want like a half-assed um, Instagram account. We right. really wanted it to be active. So we just feature the different areas on our social media as much as we can. Um, and on our stories, it's not only the Portland planners, it's also the Bend planners and the Seattle planners. So our followers can kind of get to know everyone on this team. That is amazing. Do you have any tips, any last minute, you know, um, tips that you can offer our listeners? Oh, gosh, just in general? Just in general in regards to um, their market, growing their market, becoming... Um, an influential voice in their market? Yeah, I think, um, I honestly think it's just really get to know the wedding professionals in your area. And it's going to really come back to you twofold. Um, not only are you going to have great people to recommend to your clients along the way, but they're going to recommend people to you. And if you're ever in a bind at an event or anything, you'll have somebody to call that will have your back and take care of you if you need it. So um, I think just push yourself to think outside the box, be a thought leader, um, say yes to some of those things that might make you nervous. But um, when all is said and done, I think you'll be pretty proud of yourself and have something really awesome to share. So, um, you know, be be authentic to yourself and your business, but um, kind of try to step outside the box every once in a while. I completely agree. How can people find you? Uh, you can find us at rockpapercoin.com. Um, again, that that code is WED20 if you want to give it a try. Um, my email is Nora at rockpapercoin. And then if you want to learn a little bit more about our wedding planning business, it's bridalbliss.com. Beautiful. Thank you, Nora, for spending this Yay. sunny Monday with me. I am very thankful for your time. And thanks I, so much for having me. It was so fun to chat with you. Absolutely. It was a pleasure. And I will talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.